<laughs> Hiya, Jojo. Hiya. <laughs> I feel like that was a good start to the show. Do you want to kick it off because I've forgot my notes? <laughs> the dog ate it. How is Cedric? He's lovely. Mm-hmm. He's just my little favourite. Have you bought him anything with his pocket money recently? Yeah, he got a little England bandana for the rare <laughs> Euros. <laughs> How excited was he when you had everybody around for your football party? He was very excited, but to the point that he wouldn't get up the next day. Just worn out. Do, yeah, he was hungover. <laughs> he was like dog hungover. He just had that much attention the Aww. day before. He just soaked it all up and then just wouldn't get up for about four hours on the morning. Does Atticus get involved when... Yes, Atticus gets involved because it's really sunny, isn't it? They like to go outside and bask like me. So you did have a party. I because did. you could have people around your house because the world is starting to reopen again a kinda, little bit, which kinda. is exciting. Have you started to do anything else to get yourself ready for have you booked any holidays? Um, well, my holidays are now just effectively a savings account because the same few thousand pounds that I just keep moving back because I just keep changing the dates. Um, but also a rubbish savings account. Yeah, because no you don't get anything back, I know. Yeah. Um, in fact, every single time, like, a couple of little extras or the flight is slightly different, so it's costing me money to keep oh putting them. Um, so the last one, it was like 130 quid or something. Now I've got two holidays on the go because I've got one booked in May, which I already had. Yeah. Um, to Turkey, randomly, never been to Turkey, um, for two weeks, me, Mike and Jude. And then I had one this September for me and Mike to go to Egypt, but then that one's been put back a year, so then oh, I've got a in September. year for you next year. It's funny, isn't it, because you start thinking of places that you'd never dream of going, so there's only two places open, which was Iceland or Gibraltar. Yeah. <laughs> How much fun can you have on a rock? But what about you? Did you go away? Um, yes, I tried to go to Portugal, didn't I? And that was in the window, and then my stupid child, you know, with his bad life admin, hadn't renewed his passport. To be fair, to, you know, he's five year old, so you only get five years. It's their fault, not yours. It is their fault. Yeah, so yeah, he's still allowed to have six months, which we just can't get our head around, can we? Why you have to have six months on your passport? I don't understand. A five that. year passport, but it's only valid for four and a half years. And Harrison had four and three quarters of a year left, so it was two weeks short. So then I started looking at flights to like Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> like, trying to force go? myself in like a little southern coastal holiday that I would never have done otherwise just to feel like I went away but we went to London and it was like a proper holiday it was lovely but you know me I like to travel last minute anyway so it's not ideal that we can't get away right now but I'm also not bothered about not having anything booked book in anything yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, in fact my brother's girlfriend said to me yesterday oh we're thinking about booking for December 2022 oh mm-hmm. go to Cancun over New Year, so them and the kids, so then you're kind of away for New Year's, and she was like, so you know, if you and Harrison wanted to come, and that would be quite nice, and she said, I was thinking, they've got kids club, they've got a swim up bar, and I was like, tick, tick, tick to all of this, and she went, what do you think, and I was like, oh no, you, you want me to comment on it now, I was like, you know me better than that, I can't discuss something in December 2022. I can't discuss anything in October 2021. No, I really can't, like, it's far too far, so yeah, literally ask me next October, and I'll let you know if I'm down for it. Um, how do you feel about getting back out to like bigger events, so obviously you used to go to gigs and festivals and stuff, like? Oh. Would you, if they were all open tomorrow, would you get yourself there? Absolutely. I'd be in the mosh pit. I'd have my face in somebody's sweaty armpit. <laughs> um, and it just wouldn't bother me at all. Because honestly, the festivals I've been to, what I could have caught from them portaloons is worse than any COVID. True. It's things that no scientist has ever discovered yeah. before. Literally, I've been in there and thought, oh. Yeah, interesting. New bacteria that you can see. Um, so you need a microscope. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we were talking about organising events as well and kind of how confident oh. you feel about it. So on the one hand, we're frustrated because we've had to push back our summer party. Which is... Frustrated, that's a weak word. We're furious. Oh, I don't know where that was going. We are furiously <laughs> angry. Capital F and a capital U. <laughs> yeah. 
However, on the other hand, we have booked in our conference, which is on the 1st of September, which even when we booked it, I think quite a few people were like, oh, that's a bit punchy that you, you think you'll get back into risky. the real world. But we like to be a bit risky. We like to be a bit risky. And do you know what we'll be yeah. at the forefront? Pioneers. However, yeah. I hope it's not a... And I appreciate that it's a finance conference, so yeah. there'll be minimal dancing. Yeah. I just don't want the restrictions <laughs> well. as well. Um, the restrictions of the wedding restrictions where they're saying, you know, oh, you can have weddings, but, you know, you're not allowed to dance. It's just all the uncertainty, isn't it? That's the thing. And I think, like you were saying, with your holiday insurance, you're just constantly kind of pushing things back. And we haven't got events insurance for this one, but also you wouldn't get events insurance that would cover it now. That's the thing. Yeah. You're kind of in the middle of it. And even people who had insurance pre-COVID, a lot of them like they weren't paying out. It's almost like insurance companies have loopholes for things. They want just want to take money in. A lot of them now will just allow you to roll it over. For holidays, as with anything, you should only be spending what you can afford. You shouldn't be overreaching for a holiday. So therefore if a holiday costs a thousand pound, ten thousand pound, or you know, you're gonna stay away for the night for fifty quid. If you can't afford it, you shouldn't be putting the money in, in the first place. <laughs> you're going to disgrace. Yeah. Why? People need holidays and you can't they always do need holidays, front. and payment plans are there for a reason. Which is, yeah, so a payment plan's fine, and you know, but you, you have to be able to afford it, to my point. So if that gets trapped for whatever reason, you yeah, have to yeah. postpone it. If you're thinking, oh gosh, I need that money back. Because if it hadn't been postponed, you wouldn't have had that money regardless. Yes, yeah, that so money's yeah, gone. gone either way. It, you know, you're not going to lose your holiday. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you should only ever, and I feel like I should say this, but you should only ever book with a reputable firm or, you know, somewhere where they're at all protected and you're going to get your money back at some point or it's going to get postponed to a future event, which Do is why I'm ending up with you. Yeah, at all protected. Like, I just go on booking.com and Skyscanner and just like, yeah, get no, what I can get. Yeah, so it's not likely to. I and mean, would you always get insurance as well? So, for example, if you were on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> Always. You t- do, please tell me you aren't not travelling with travel insurance. What if you like fell off a cliff? Or if you die, you need your coffin back. Costs millions apparently to bring back your coffin, <laughs> according to my insurance company. Um, I would always travel with travel insurance. It would be a big tip for me. <laughs> would you, you wouldn't go in your car without car insurance, would you? No. <laughs> you did once, didn't you? Once and you didn't realise it hadn't automatically renewed. Well, that's the problem. For about six months. <laughs> but that doesn't happen these days because you can't, can you? Can you? I don't know if I've got car insurance. <laughs> I see. Um, yeah, because that did insurance? happen. Do you have any bills that come out of your bank that say insurance on them? Have you got landlord insurance? I don't have landlords. You told me not to get landlords. No, I didn't. Oh. I've got landlords. I didn't. <laughs> Someone told me landlords was rubbish. Well, I did have problems getting some money to pay out yeah. um, on my landlord insurance when the last guy wrecked my house. Yeah. And they did only end up paying two thirds, but you know, it's better than nothing. Oh. <laughs> That's what I took from that conversation. <laughs> Interesting. And I, I am a bit worried that I haven't got car insurance. Because <laughs> what I was thinking is, now they're all interlinked, aren't they? Like your tax and your MOT and your car insurance, but don't have tax to my car. <laughs> tax is, like, now they'll get in touch with you and say tax your yeah, car. but I couldn't tell you that. <laughs> is it like a service where you don't have to tax it? <laughs> no. Don't get tax oh, tax. Tax. <laughs> Like, I don't think I've ever taxed my car. <laughs> Like, I definitely haven't taxed it in the last year. Please don't arrest me, police. Because <laughs> I, I know. Can't be expected to remember everything. Um, is, it, is it part of your lease? Could it be part of your lease? It could payment? be part of my lease. Because um, sometimes they can build it into your lease. I'm going to yep. presume that that's a hard thing, because otherwise they would have wrote out to you and said, yeah. where the fuck have you taxed your car? No one's written out to me. I haven't taxed my car, but no one's written out to me. So yeah, it's only like somewhere. 15 quid a month or something they add it to your lease. Yeah, something to check. <laughs> <laughs> pop over here. 
You've been driving for like 20 years. Uh, I just, I don't like life admin. I absolutely detest it with a passion. Maybe it's because you call it life admin and it sounds like a big thing. It is. Um, did you say that question <laughs> about capital gains tax on a tortoise? Did you see it? Yes, but paraphrase it for me because I can't remember. It's hard to paraphrase about a tortoise, so I'll just read it. Just read it. <laughs> so I'm learning about tax and I have a hypothetical question about chattel disposal and capital gains. For chattels... Right, firstly, do you want to stop and explain what a chattel is? Do you want me to stop and explain what a chattel is? I kind of know what a chattel is. A chattel is like a personal item, isn't it? But I can't remember the it's thing. Like this is tangible, a movable property. So something like that prop, you can like, like get. Art. Art. Furniture. Wine is the one I always remember. It has a value and it's tangible and movable. Yeah, fine. So I'm learning about tax and I have a hypothetical question about chattel disposal mm -hmm. and capital gains tax. So for chattels, they're treated as a wasting chattel if their expected life is under 50 years. So an example that they usually give is like animals and things. So it's tangible, it's movable, yep. you love it. It's worth yep. some... Some of these dogs are worth a lot of yeah. blooming money. Yeah. Um, but because their life expectancy is under 50 years, um, it doesn't count. Um, however, you know my little fella? I do know your little fella. Atticus, the yeah. tortoise. He is expected to live to about 100. Yes. So obviously, outliving me, probably outliving me if he lives to 10. Uh, the dog's probably going to outlive me. <laughs> and actually, I read an ad... Sorry, I'm going on a tangent as usual. But the oldest um, living land animal is a tortoise called... Jonathan. Oh. Jonathan the tortoise... He's the world's oldest living land animal. Um, he's 189, so he's about to turn 90, 190. So, was he called Jonathan at birth? <laughs> By his mum? Well, like 200 years ago, like, did somebody name him Jonathan and then he's been passed down through generations? Or has somebody found him like 50 years ago? And, and then well, it says he was hatched circa 1832. He was named in the 30s by Sir Spencer Davis, probably not of the group. <laughs> Because tortoises don't run, they just walk quite slowly. He lives in the Seychelles, and I do genuinely think if I lived in the Seychelles, I'd live a bit longer. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was brought there at about 50, you know, as we do. I might, I might go there when I'm about 50. Yeah. Anyway, so he's 190. <laughs> right. So imagine we had Jonathan on one side. So I'll read you the actual question. Go on then. Now I, now I have a pet tortoise, and the expected lifespan is around 100 years. So therefore, if I was to sell him, would I potentially be liable for CGT or not? Um, and I'm not sure if the exemption would apply as a tortoise as an animal, but most animals live under 50 years. Or if it wouldn't apply because of the long lifespan of a tortoise. I mean, we have no plans to sell. Atticus. We're just wondering that because chattels have applied, you know, up to 50 years, whether tortoises come under that. It's a hypothetical question. Um, it is a hypothetical question. It's actually a straightforward one because all animals are considered wasting assets. Oh, even well, that when... was a waste because they answered that question. <laughs> well, no, but my point was going to be, so all animals are considered wasting assets because they will die and... From here, I know, honestly, like I'm so emotionally invested in Jonathan right now, and I could just don't want him to die. So even if he was worth a scullion pound and you could sell him, you wouldn't pay capital gains tax on it. Why I think it's still an interesting question is because I'm a tax nerd, and that's what happens with tax, where there's always these little nuances, and rarely, like that one is quite straightforward, where... HMRC have just said all animals, um, they're wasting chattel, that is that. Um, because actually, like you said, dogs and greyhounds, horses, like they're actually ones that are very high value and you can trade them and sell them. But what they don't want to do is then get into kind of people carrying forward losses because they've sold an animal at a loss and then that one's again making a mess of it, knowing that ultimately they'll all run out of value when they pop the clogs. Um, but so generally with taxes, there are a lot of weird nuances and exemptions and that's where all the tricky stuff comes in, doesn't it? When you're doing um, tax right. planning, income yeah. tax planning, inheritance tax, all the rest of it. But, why so um, many people get caught out by so many different things. It is. That's why, yeah. you know, accountants are so rich. <laughs> it is.
But on that one, you can buy and sell your animals freely as long as they belong to you. Um, also, this? sorry, I just remembered we picked up this CGT conversation a couple of weeks back. I don't know if you remember it. And we were asking Grant. And then somehow it moved on to, um, if it wasn't animals, what about trees? And were they considered a chattel? And then do you remember you got into the whole, oh, well, um, maybe not necessarily if they're, well, they're not tangible or movable. Sorry, they are tangible. <laughs> <laughs> the real thing. They're definitely real. <laughs> Even if they're in a forest. Um, they're not movable, so they're not a chattel. But then you got into the whole, yeah, but trees come under, like, agricultural for inheritance tax. And then is there something with, like, IHT reliefs? Did I? Because and that sounds intelligent for me. What sounds more like it was then you turned it into IH tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like somebody else probably said the other bit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I liked it and wrote down IH tree. Um, it's interesting what you were saying about all of the nuances and tax, because I think a lot of the problems we've got is that we're in finance, we don't understand all of the taxes. Obviously, that's part goes to accountancy and there's that kind of thing. Um, so for somebody outside of finance to even try and penetrate, not just the basics of it all, but then when it starts to get more complex and then when you know all of it, you need to know all the loopholes and all of the different ways to look at it. It's just so difficult. So actually part of our struggle is to explain things to people in a way that, you know, doesn't use Latin or ridiculous words. I saw an article the other day that, the, which is brilliant and I'm all over, and um, that the Cubs, Beavers, Scouts have started doing a money badge. You know how you get badges for camping and gutting fish and Is that like putting up tents? On Hey Dougie? I have no idea what Hey Dougie is. It's a cartoon and they have badges and I yes. just don't think I realised it was linked to the Scouts. So it's like that, but they're doing one for money. So oh. it's about financial education, which is great and a you know, great place to learn real life skills and money's part of that, which we've always said. But interestingly, they went and said to the kids... What do you think of with money? What do you need money for? And a lot of it was kind of buying PlayStation stuff, Netflix. Right. Yeah. Um, and there was a couple of them had said, like, saving. Right. Um, but a lot of it was very tangible and things that you buy and that kind of thing. So I think understanding what children think about money would help us more with how we educate them. Mm. And because, actually, there's no point in talking to, you know, a lot of six-year-olds about pensions. Yeah, yeah. But it would be good to talk to them about how, yeah, how much does Netflix cost. Oh, actually, you only get £10 a month pocket money for example but did you know Netflix costs £10 a month so if you were paying for it yourself that would be all of your money so it's just kind of the very basics of budgeting and saving and sharing and long-term savings and short-term savings and you know if you get £10 a month in six months time you can buy the new FIFA game but actually you get £10 a month and you could buy all the sweets you know you wanted for one day. I took Arizona out for brunch on Saturday. <laughs> I know I saw that. And it was lovely we had a really nice brunch and then I said oh can I get the bill please and he went mummy what's the bill and I oh. just thought that's like a time to have the discussion and I said oh well you know that's how much I have to pay and um, you know that's mummy's magic car that's how you pay for it and I went but you know when I go to work all the time that's so I can pay the bills for things and you could just see like mm. slowly sinking in and I thought like it's even that as a four-year-old he's never needed to think you know obviously just food magically appears all the time but it made me realize it was worth the explanation and then start to kind of build it up I mean I won't overreg it just yet he's only four yeah. he's got dinosaurs to think about yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, but you know these kids need to know where the next brunch is coming from not that he's massively middle class <laughs>
think it all kind of comes together, doesn't it? So if you're struggling to get your head around insurance, for example, <laughs> if you're a 38-year-old living in Darlington. <laughs> um, asking for a friend. <laughs> asking of. for a named driver. <laughs> Even going back to the little tortoise fella and like all the questions around chattels and stuff, like it is obviously we've said many a time about the difficulty understanding finance. And obviously over the course of um, this last series, we've spoken to a few people like Ola and um, Jessica, whose interview is coming up, who are doing it. So either by launching their own um, service aimed at people and breaking it down or by using Instagram. And I know we've talked before about all of the financial scammers on TikTok, mm-hmm. but actually there is a rising of FinTok, which is people talking about finance. And some of them are actually really succinct and really good, And but it is hitting the younger generations it's really kind of hitting them with the media that they understand and that they can digest because people learn in different ways how would you if we were going to design our own finance lesson as soon as you start saying lesson or school Mm -hmm. it's just difficult okay we've been invited in by the local college for their six formers who are aged 16 and 17 Mm -hmm. and we've got an hour-long slot to get them interested engaged in finance in some way so how does it look for a start are you going in are they in like rows in the desks and you stood at the front or do you have them in a big circle around you absolutely not um it's got to be a discussion it's got to be what do you understand about money like I talk to my 11 year old nephew and he's really like your car and I want to have that kind of car when I'm, I'm older um, I'm going to be an architect I'm going to be this um, and they've got really big broad dreams but no idea on how to get there and it's kind of making it tangible to them. And I agree, you're right, because, and especially at that age range, any kind of lecturing, like they've had it for all their lives, like yeah. it needs to be different, it needs to come from them. And um, we also said, like, make it like tangible and interactive. How would you do that? Yeah, so I don't think it's about props. Um, I think it's about kind of just finding one common um, aspect to it. So it may be that they, you know, 16 or 17, what's the biggest thing you want? Independence. You're thinking about a car. So we're going to start talking about car finance and yeah. how that works. Um, and we're going to have Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know... Borrowed it, purely for the lesson. <laughs> You're welcome. Lesson. Um, but, yeah, we can start to talk about debt, good or bad. We can start talking about interest rates. Say this car is worth £10,000, for example. Um, this is potentially how much you would pay out of that. How much is interest? So you can talk a little bit about interest. Um, how much, it's not just about the car, it's about the tax that you pay and what the tax goes for and how tax works broadly. It's about the cost of petrol and how much that might be and, you know, compared to an electric car, quite a bit more. Um, so there's just different ways that you can kind of bring it into what they need to think about for a car because it's things they'll have already started to think about without the finance thought. They'll have thought, oh, I'm going to get a new fee at 500 because they get them for £99 a month. But actually, have you thought about your insurance, which will be really high at a 16, 17-year-old? Um, have you thought about how much the petrol you're going to use? And um, we can start talking about the cost of living and all those things that are really good lessons. And they will learn so much with the example of what a car can cost. Insurance interesting asking for a friend what day and time is that lesson (laughs) and there's just so many things you can do around a car that really starts to and it's something they're really thinking about when they're 16 and 17 um as much as we were joking about rocking up in a ferrari you could but genuinely it would be that it's almost that that shock factor at the outset for that engagement like oh you know here's your teacher today and they're just outside in a red ferrari with the roof down just Mm -hmm. loving life then they're going to want to listen to what you're saying because they're going to think it's all about how i'm going to get ferrari Mm -hmm. And actually, it's the hey, Dougie, well, you're going to learn some stuff along the way. Yeah. Um, but we'll pretend it's all about getting you a red Ferrari. 
Hi. Hey, everybody. Everybody say hi. Hi, hi. it's Jo. Hi. Hi, it's Jess. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> it's Cathy. <laughs> it's just so we could pick up our different uh, voices in case they didn't know who it was. Oh, I'm fresh now. Um, how was your journey? How long did it take? Not long at all, about an hour and 40 minutes. Oh, yeah, I thought it would be about two hours, but there was no traffic, so it was, yeah, it was good. I was saying to Cathy, like, my husband was like, why don't you get the train? And then you can work on the train. And I was like, well, I don't want to work on the train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I haven't been able to get out in my car and go somewhere because of COVID for so long. Yeah. So I was like, no, I want to drive. It's nice, isn't it? It's yeah. a nice drive. It was it's sunny. Nice yeah, yeah, exactly. Tunes so. on. Yeah. Can you just explain who you are and what you do? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm Jessica Crawford. I'm now the head of business development. Um, I'm also a member of the senior leadership team. So there's myself and two others that effectively run the business on a day to day basis. Um, I started 2010 at aged 18 and then I've pretty much done every single job you can think of in between <laughs> um, and then I got into marketing actually uh, there wasn't a marketing role available at the time but I think you know I was young I was into social media and I noticed that we were basically on any channels so I said look do you mind if I take it upon myself to get us set up and you know revamp our website and things and then it just kind of snowballed and yeah, I ended up being um, sort of like marketing assistant and marketing manager. Then we recruited another marketing assistant. So yeah, so now I manage all the financial planners within the organisation. I'm responsible for the marketing strategies, um, strategic planning, and just yeah, the day to day running of the business. So what um, what was it that attracted you to apply for the apprenticeship in the first place? Do you know what? I don't know, and I can't actually give you an honest answer because at the time. Like, I just, I feel like it was pure fate. I was looking for a job, like any job, didn't really care. And I applied to be a receptionist at like, uh, I think it was just a doctor's surgery um, and an apprenticeship at the same time. And I got offered both jobs. The NHS job was actually like a full-time salary. Yeah. And I was thinking this would be great. And for some reason, I don't know what it was. It must've been like, you know, when I went in for the interview, I got like a good vibe or something, yeah. but I couldn't I couldn't get IFP out of my head. So I decided to go for the uh, apprenticeship and then like 300 quid a month or something. No. So, <laughs> so I started when I was 18 at IFP. So right. IFP was the first company I've ever joined right. that was uh, financial services. Um, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. I totally winged the interview. Like I didn't have a clue even what financial services was at all. Um, do you now? Yeah, I do now. <laughs> Eleven years later, what was I the do actual now. job as an administrator? Or? No, I was like the very first apprentice. I was like property girl. Uh, and I was really rubbish at making tea as well. <laughs> I always <laughs> spill it. Yeah. My um, so my boss, the MD Kev, he he's got a really vivid memory of when I first started, and I was quite renowned for like spilling tea and like you know dropping drinks and stuff. <laughs> I don't know how I am where I am now, to be fair. Um, and he had I had two drinks in my hand, and he can remember it vividly. He was like in a really like important client meeting, and I came in with like two cups full of tea to the top, and I was about to sneeze. <laughs> And, uh, and I could see like Kev's face went white and he was thinking oh no she's, this is going to be disastrous well I turned around and I managed do you know like when you sneeze and you hold it in and, yeah, I, yeah. and I didn't drop like I didn't spill a single drop and I was like I've done great here so I turned around walked into the door <laughs> and I spilled the tea again so yeah I was I was a useless apprentice but um yeah I, don't, yeah, I don't know how I got kept on, actually. I did do other things aside from make tea, and obviously I impressed him in that sense. But So when did you two get into finance, then? Um, well, I joined 
when I was 22, 16 years ago. Mm. I joined a financial services company as an administrator. They weren't yeah. really the type of company that was encouraging. They didn't let the little women out and all the women stayed in the office. Yeah. The men might have done the stuff. So yeah, well, they went to Oh, oh for yeah. <laughs> We organised it for them. Yeah. Yeah. I've done that so many yeah. times. Yeah. And got the invites and organised the tea balls. I didn't know what them were. Yeah, and uh, we, we've got a sponsorship with like a golf company and people ring me like, hi, can I have a four ball for, and they say, with, with like a tea time of 10.23 and I'm like, why do you have to be so precise? But apparently it's a thing, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a thing, yeah. Oh, so I have to yeah. ring up and say, can I have four people come at like 10.23 a.m.? And they're like, yes, I've made it in my career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was hoping to do this. I seem to remember as well, um, and the guy, so I used to work at the same company and the guy who owned it, I'd once done something and I'd stayed really late and done some work for him. I think it was on his own pension. He was buying a property. He used to just buy properties in like two weeks um, to hold on the pension. I'd done loads of work for him and he was, do you know what, Joel, that was really helpful. Thank you very much. As a present, I bought you this. And we used, they used to have the same. They'd have like free sponsorship at Close mm. House Golf Club. Um, and he went, and it's a tea ball that your husband might like. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's horrendous, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And that's what <laughs> it was like, and I wasn't even shocked. And I used to get given golf balls with that company brand on it yeah. all the time. Yeah. Like, or some teas. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, yeah. What am I going to do tomorrow. with these? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I did actually start finding it interesting. And then I sat like, you know, at the time it was like FA2 and, you yeah. know, all the little, um, to get the certificate in financial admin. And I thought, oh, actually, I quite enjoy this. I find it interesting. And then it's just taken off from there. How do you find sort of blending marketing, which is typically quite creative, mm. and finance, which is typically not, um, and much more sort of factual? Like, do you find, do you quite enjoy the fact that you're doing a creative role in a non-creative industry? Yes and no. Uh, obviously, in finance, there's a lot of restrictions on what you can and can't market, which I think is probably the most challenging thing for me. Um, you know, with all of these disclaimers and, you know, the financial promotions register and absolutely everything like that, it, it, it does come with its challenges, but I quite like the challenge as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like trying to make it fun and I like trying to reach our target audience in different ways. You noticing other companies kind of stepping their game up and being a lot more creative themselves. Yeah, absolutely. When I first started doing the marketing, <laughs> our website was navy blue with stock <laughs> images of couples on the front. <laughs> <laughs> like, you couldn't have done it anymore, right? <laughs> Um, so like one of the first things was obviously we did a whole website revamp and we you know we rebranded we got a new logo different color palettes and immediately we stood out from the crowd yeah. so yeah there were there were a few small tweaks that we could do that did have a big impact but you are exactly right I've noticed recently you know the either new companies or existing companies that I've thought you know what this is important yeah um so yeah I've not I've noticed a lot of people are you know really stepping up the game yeah. and how are you finding other um so not just websites but you know kind of other media so I know you do a lot of um videos which tell me a little bit about the videos and things that they do with informed I went through a phase of if I thought right I want to do something and I wanted to maybe release some short videos I would spend so much time planning and trying to make it perfect and trying to get it so seamless that I ended up didn't like I, I ended up not launching it, mm -hmm. you know. And it got to a point where I thought I'm I'm strategizing too much. Like if I've got an idea, just go for it. And you know you can always make changes and tweak you know as you go along. So um, in COVID, we I said to everybody, I was like, look, we're all working from home. There are still some quick wins that we can do here, you know. And at home with IFP was one of them. So it was just an opportunity for everybody to a see the financial planners' houses because we all know that everyone on social media loves to have an <laughs> yeah. have a nosy. Um, so I was like, let's not plan it. Let's just 
we'll give you a topic. Don't worry, we did send it to compliance to check first. <laughs> <laughs> but it was basically a case of just get your phone out, record yourself sat on the sofa, like here's a topic, people can ask questions, be available from seven to eight so that you can reply on social media. Let's just see how it goes. Mm-hmm. There was also, we released some videos, and it was like financial education for kids. Um, and that was something really important to me. Um, you know, advice for the younger generation and making sure that kids understand financial advice and, you know, services and just bank accounts, credit cards, you know, mortgages, everything like that. I've said for so long, it needs to be on the like school curriculum because mm-hmm. I don't understand why it's not, Absolutely. you know, it's so important. So More important, some might say than trigonometry. <laughs> Absolutely. You just like algebra every day. <laughs> just because you've got so many X's. Um, so yeah, we did, um, we just paid for some software, it was like 20 quid, where we did some little animations and graphics, because we were trying to earn it at kids, aged between 9 and 16, and we just got one of our financial planners to do a voiceover and explain things, and we did like a little question and answer sheet, and it was, this all came about because I thought, well, kids are at home, they're not at school, they're going to run out of things to do, because like, I've got two step kids, um, and they went through the school work like that. Yeah. And I was thinking, well, what are we going to do now? So part of the idea was, oh, we can teach them about finance. <laughs> yeah, so um, we're about to launch a new service, actually, called Informed Generation, which is just for primarily millennials, maybe late Gen Z, young Gen X. Um, so, yeah, I think over the last year or so, we've, we've got a key focus, which is trying to educate and bridge the gap. I've just just graduated actually I did my final dissertation at university and it was based on financial advice for the younger generation and millennials in particular so you know obviously it's anywhere between like you know your late 20s to early 40s now you could argue they're the ones that need financial advice the most you know they've got young families they've got a mortgage they've got an income that they might need to protect you know they should be saving and you know in the pensions or ISIS or whatever it might be and I think it was something like six percent of that generation uh, the is, is, is who accesses advice right. so it's ridiculous and I did some research into it and they said that it was either because they thought um, advisors are just too expensive and they wouldn't be able to afford advice or advisors would just straight up say no sorry you're not wealthy enough um, so hence why we've tried to launch this brand new service to make it a bit more accessible for millennials to actually I'd have lo- advice I'd love to think that they, that was just a perception but I have a feeling that there's some embed in reality there, wasn't there? Because everybody talks about the advice gap and how we, we bridge it, but there's a lot of planners who won't take on people under a certain net worth, so well, it can be difficult. Informed financial planning are exactly like that. Our model is to deal with individuals with more so than 75 grand's worth of assets under management but it's not because we're just pitching at that area it's because our service and our fees it might not be worthwhile for the individual you know if they had less than that they probably wouldn't be able to see the benefit and oh i'm spilling my tea Um, (laughs) she's your apprenticeship is definitely done you've just handed in your dissertation uh, so yeah we we you could class us as one of those planners you know who actually yeah there is an advice gap and we're not going to do anything about it because we're not going to take on anyone under 75 grand so instead of just letting it happen we thought well no we'll start a brand new service and it'll be for individuals who have no assets under management and just simply need advice so what's um, what's the key difference with that then and how will you get the message about that so um, again it comes back to the marketing and if your researchers saying that 
young people aren't engaging because they just think it's going to be too expensive what's mm. what's the thing that you can do to get them interested and realize that there is a service there we've been trying to target exactly the millennials and we've tried to understand them and you know what what interests them and obviously digital is massive right now so any recommendation will be with a provider who does have an app you know who are tech savvy they can access things at any time our pricing structure is completely different it'll be we'll obviously give them tutorials but they could set it up themselves you know we can teach them how to do that so if they ever needed to make any changes in the future they would know how to do that so it's half um advice but half educational for them as well um and we won't have an ongoing service because obviously with them being so young they don't necessarily need it you know we'll send them reminders every year and say hey we're here you know if you do need anything let us know but yeah it's it's totally different to the service that IFP offer, but I think that's a good thing because yeah. I don't think our existing service would work for the younger generations. One of the things that we were talking about, and we're going to cover in the episode, is around language and the jargon and the acronyms, and we've talked about it lots and how, um, how, like, how much of a blocker it is. When I started in the financial services industry, that was the biggest block I had. Yeah. You know, people, it was like they were talking a different language, yeah. you know, especially because there's so many acronyms and it's just Shorted ridiculous, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And, I, I was literally listening to people thinking there's no way I'm going to make a career in this because yeah. it's like you're speaking a different language and I remember the first time I'd said something and I'd incorporated like an acronym or something and I was like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and I was like I belong. <laughs> <laughs> I belong in financial services well it has always been a bugbear of mine and there's sometimes like, I've read like recommendation reports that we've written and I'm like surely there's an easier way yeah you know it's so complicated yeah. some of the words it, yeah, it yeah. makes it sound a like you know you just would never be able to understand it. Yeah. Or B, it just doesn't really give you confidence in what you're reading, I don't yeah. think. Especially yeah. as a client. Yeah. If you're reading a, recommend, a recommendation report and it's just full of letters and jargon and you know things that you don't understand, how can you confidently say yes to something yeah. if you can't truly understand it? Um, so yeah, that's actually a, a sort of a battle that we're having at the moment because we're obviously going to be delivering recommendation reports to the younger generation. Yes, yeah. And it's about making it in a way that they will understand and that's a little bit more... Trendy. Interestingly, Sam in marketing had said she was watching The Chase the other night, mm. um, and Bradley Walsh, I presume it was, had said something, um, it was like a finance question, and said, oh, what does the P stand for in SIP? And she got really excited, and she's gone, mum, 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 I know this one, I know this one. Centralised investment portfolio, and I went, it's not proposition, Sam, and she went, didn't matter anyway, it was a self-invested pension. <laughs> Oh, oh that's it. Not that's it. Not that's it. Yeah. I know. And I was just she got so excited off. and she got a mum to come in. She said she was going to get this oh, question correct on finance, and it was the opposite one. It's actually really interesting because, <laughs> like, when I listen to your podcast, like, I have an uh, image of you two sat having a chat, but well, it's actually not like that. You are literally both running around. Like, <laughs> Reenacting gifts. It is. Uh, genuinely. <laughs> you need to record it. <laughs> uh, we do reenact gifts. We also reenact emojis quite regularly. Show the hen dance. <laughs> she does that when she's happy. I do love the hen dance. It's okay. I do that when I'm happy too. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Another but one that works well on a podcast. <laughs> Sorry, ma'am. <laughs> actually had an absolute who writing the content for for the informed gen website because i've had to like i've had to try and change the terminology of things yeah. and make it sound fun and it is quite difficult but when you say do you think the scope for the terminology to change i do think yes but i think it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be a slow burner yeah you know and even if you know there are some like innovative firms who are trying to change the lingo and trying to make it a little bit more understandable i think it'll be a while for everybody else to catch up because 
this terminology is just stuck in people's brains now, isn't it? Yeah, Especially yeah. like your traditional financial planners, it will be hard to get them to talk or explain things in a different manner. Well, that's it. And if everybody isn't using the same terminology, yeah. then you actually have made it more complicated exactly. by bringing in new stuff. Even yeah. the new stuff in itself is easier to understand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is your favourite emoji? My favourite emoji? Probably the salsa dancing oh, lady. Oh, I love the salsa dancing Yeah, emoji. she's sassy, isn't she? Yeah. yeah, I like her. She's we always up for a good time. Yeah, yeah, we always use that when we're going on. Yeah. I'm the little party guy. <laughs> what's, what's your favourite emoji? What do I use a lot of? Probably the salsa lady. Mm. Um, um, obviously the crying laughing. Yeah. The, the yeah. Emojis. I think that's my top one actually. I'm going to look at my top. I really like the um, the little Groucho Marx fella. You do love him at the minute, yeah, don't you? Yeah, I do. I just think he encompasses quite a lot of things. Oh, I have a lot of um, the little lady put the hand up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> We've got quite similar emojis here. Yeah. Wine. Yeah, the champagne. champagne. Of course, the champagne is high up. And the head explodes as well. Have yeah. you? Basically, we dance, we drink wine, and our head explodes. Finance. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm just going to tell you mine is crying, laughing, the beer emoji, the nerd emoji, the going to sleep emoji, the eye roll emoji. Just in case you were wondering what my life was. It's like. literally just a day, day in the life of Joe. And is the the new website up? Yeah. No, we've got a little landing page which says coming soon. Can you give us the domain name anyway, and then yeah. we'll have it in the podcast, and then hopefully, if nothing else, people might go to the landing page even. Yeah, yeah, that's there. perfect. So it's www.informed-generation.co.uk. Oh, I tried to get the um, just informed generation, but somebody had nicked the domain. Yeah. And it was few men. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really good tag. <laughs> informed generation. We have got. We're trying to we've like change platforms because I'm trying to figure out you know where the generations are sat. So we've got Instagram, TikTok, um, Facebook, and they're the three that we're focusing on at the minute. Yeah, we've got different platforms for different services, but informed Jen, now we're all over the TikToks. Oh, what do you do for your TikToks? Um, it's quite embarrassing filming them actually, but then when you <laughs> when you put it together at the end, it does look quite cool. I mean, I've tried to copy specific dances, you know, like when there's a certain dance that's trending. I can't do it. <laughs> So I'll just use the song and do my own dance. <laughs> well, honestly, I'm not alone because I am a geriatric millennial and I've never been on TikTok. Like, never not been once. on it? No. Oh, no. So when you're like, oh, you know, you've do this and just got your head around Instagram, haven't you? Yeah, well, still struggle, of course. Instagram's tricky. There is one warning that I should give you there on. when you're on TikTok, especially yeah. if you work in financial services. The amount of people that claim to be experts oh, and you know like right. it's talking about forex trading <gasps> and bitcoin and cryptocurrency yeah. and it's people like here's what you need to do to get a million pound tomorrow uh, that's and why i'm here on tiktok well, and not laid on a beach in the maldives well this is why we're actively trying to have yeah. a tiktok presence because we yeah. think well need there to needs to be some thing. people yeah. who are legitimate yeah. on tiktok oh thank you jess So that was another episode of That Mim Podcast. Um, thank you for listening. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. We are found wherever you find your normal podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify and the rest. Um, thank you very much to Jessica Crawford for her amazing um, interview. And thanks very much as always to Second Draft who do their work um, really, really well and you know edit out all of the nonsense that we said. Um, and thank you very much to everybody for listening. Thanks, bye.
And actually, I read an ad, sorry, I'm going on a tangent as usual, but the oldest um, living land animal is a tortoise called, I can't remember his name, is a tortoise called, no, is a tortoise <laughs> who's um, 190. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, it's called. No. Where do yeah, you but find his name is. No. <laughs> anyway, this tortoise, he was called. Oldest tortoise. And then I'll give you the 190 reaction you saw desperately brave. <laughs>